The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Cinnamon rolls and chili on a crisp November day. In the heart of football season, Thanksgiving's on its way. Mashed potatoes, turkeys, green beans not from cans. The Bosco boys are thankful for our diehard bonehead fans. Bosco boys. It's turkey time, boys. The boys are back, and uh, actually it is not both your usual suspects. Grant had a lot of fun at a wedding last night, and I told him, you know what, I'll give you the extra hour to sleep. Don't worry about it. I will find a replacement. He will be with us for the Q&A show that will drop on Tuesday. But sadly, I'm starting to believe karma is a thing. My co-host is the same one who... Oh man, he was uh, he was the stand-in the last time K-State was in West Virginia, and it got ugly for that one. So, Dad, I'm sorry. The Boneheads love you, but I'm never going to bring you on to review a West Virginia game ever again. Well, don't even ask, because I will not put play. Yes, I we, uh, we thought, you know, watching the game upstairs, me telling you not to take meticulous notes might be enough to avoid it, but uh, there's something about you coming on for a review show versus the Mountaineers that just leads us getting our asses kicked. Well, and then we had that epic uh, road trip. Yes, uh, yes. Well, but, but that one was at least close. The, the road trip you and I took to West Virginia was close. The game you and I went to last year was close. But, I mean, now I'm starting to feel a little bit like an Iowa State fan. Like, they can't beat us, and we just can't find a way to beat West Virginia. Well, that's true. But, uh, yes, this is uh, – this is the type of game. It's really, I, I really admire you and Grant when you have an occasional game like this to have to review. It's it's not easy. Yeah, it's not fun. But uh, you know what? Uh, after that Oklahoma State Texas game, is down as K State fans were after the game. Is down as I still kind of am about that game. We're still top of the Big Twelve. It is us at the top of the Big Twelve standings. We're having a laugh, and everything is still within our hands. I think. You won't be on the Q&A pod that Grant and I will record tomorrow or maybe later today, but there are questions about were K-State fans stupid to start dreaming of Arlington. Well, maybe a little bit, but here's the thing. Nothing changed. From from Saturday, from the beginning of Saturday to as we sit here Sunday morning, literally nothing has changed of our standing in the Big 12 and what it takes to get to the Big 12 championship. The only thing is our confidence might be a little bit lower. Right. Well, we're, we're certainly no better off, but we're – practically not worse off other than just more teams at one loss in the conference. Yeah, I guess some folks could say, yeah, now uh, Texas and Oklahoma definitely are back in play since there's three teams with one losses and they're sitting at two. But, I mean, I think they were in play anyways. And my thought was always you're going to have to beat one of Oklahoma State or Iowa State regardless. That's still the same. So I'm, I'm not too worried about it. We're going to jump into it. Before we do, got to give a shout out to our great sponsor, Bet Online. The fun is back and it's time to head over to Bet Online. 
Almost every single conference is back. And guess what? Starting next week, the Mountain West is back. Maction's back. Frickin' Pac-12 is even going to come back. They're all back. So outside of Tuesday, every single day of the week, you're going to have football. So whether it's betting on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to repeat or just some crazy over in a Maction game. And guess what? Soccer. Sporting KC, their game got canceled tonight. Uh, sadly, yeah, I yeah, Corona, it's the worst. But guess what? MLS playoffs, bet on Peter Vermes to win the MLS Cup. Get over to Bet Online. You can bet on anything, including if you want to bet on the election. So use promo code Armchair for all the great welcome bonuses and all the great prop bets they have over at Bet Online. And that brings us to Coffee of the Pod. Bet Online is the sponsor of Coffee of the Pod this year. What it, what are we sipping on? Because this is good stuff. What we have today is a mocha latte. It is the private selection from Dylan's. You do have to know somebody in the back room to be able to access the private selection mocha latte. I like it. So that, that that's why I like coming home. You guys always have great coffee on point. So let's get into the game as much as we may not want to. There's some stuff we need to talk about. Uh, K-State 10, West Virginia 37. Disappointing across the board, offense and defense. Anyone who followed me on Twitter, anyone who listened to any of our podcasts last week, knew I was not anticipating uh, this from the defense, but I was anticipating something like this from the offense. Um, when I came home and I was talking to you, I was like, all right, where, where's your head at? Uh, you weren't bullish on the offense, but you also were expecting a little bit better from the defense. Um, just across the board, we'll get into the micro, but how disappointing was that performance yesterday? Well, watching that game yesterday was a little bit like Charlie Brown <laughs> trick-or-treating. You know, each house that he went up to, every play that we went up to, it seemed like we got a rock. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's perfect. It's uh, It was disappointing, couldn't get anything to work. Climbing now is 4-2 and two versus coaches in his new higher class, but he's 0-2 against Neil Brown. Neil Brown famously was the runner-up for the K-State job, and I think maybe he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder when he plays K-State. Um, I think almost everyone is a fan of Coach Klein, and I think anyone who is still down on him as a hire uh, just is trying too hard. But um, is there any part of you that almost wishes, okay, you know, we've seen what Neil Brown does versus us. Um, we've seen how he's recruiting out in West Virginia. Is there any part of you who thinks, I kind of wish our guy was Neil Brown? Absolutely not. There's not one bone in my body that really feels that way. I, I just feel the climbing hire was, was perfect for us. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say I occasionally think about Neil Brown was one of those guys that I had high on my list. Granted, he's the only one who seemed to work out. Mike Norvell has been a mess at uh, Florida State. Uh, you know, freaking Seth Luttrell is just a nitwit. He hasn't won anything since his offensive coordinator went to USC. So I'm glad that didn't happen. But Neil Brown was one of those guys I had targeted. So I'd be lying if I didn't say I thought about it. But I think that we're in the best hands. I do think it just comes down to West Virginia just being this bogey team for us that we just can't find a way to win. Well, when you look at it, you just named off all those uh, coaching candidates at the time. And, and most of them have been failures. And, yeah. and Neil Brown, you know, I, I remember the uh, announcers yesterday at one point saying, you know, look at West Virginia. They're really building it the right way. I feel like Coach Kleiman's doing that for us as well. 
Yeah, and he is winning more. Again, if, if it wasn't for these two losses versus West Virginia, no one would even talk about it. If we beat West Virginia last year, they end up like 4-8. and eight. If we beat them this year, they're barreling towards another losing season. So, again, I'm not too worried about it. I think Neil Brown's a very good coach. I've said it a couple times. I hope that because he has some really tough non-conference slates. They have, they're playing two games versus Power 5 competition because they're getting some of their old rivalries back. I'm hoping they lose those games. They're around 500 in the Big 12, and West Virginia fans get upset and they cast him off to the side because I don't want him in the Big 12 anymore. I think he's a great coach. Um, so uh, another thing, there, there were tons of inexperience, injuries, and distractions going into this week. There was the uh, tragic stuff going on with Derek Newton, and I think – Coupled that with the inexperience and injuries, I, th- I think everyone would be stupid to say doesn't have much of a role. But do you think it was a massive part, or do you think it just compounded into what was always going to be a very difficult game for us to win? I think the latter. I think it was going to compound it to itself to make it a difficult game regardless. And let's face it, I mean, there has been COVID issues, you know, just veiled over this entire uh, season. Mm-hmm. You don't know from week to week what the roster is going to look like, who's going to turn up positive, who's going to have to quarantine. We've had injuries all year, not unlike a lot of teams. But uh, no, I I think there was it was just kind of a perfect storm that uh, came over our team yesterday, and uh, they were the better team yesterday. Just yeah. Yeah. Plain and simple. I agree with you. I think I think that there was some distraction. I think even if everything went perfectly this week, I I, I mean, folks listened to us on the preview podcast. I was picking us to lose no matter what. Um, but then everything that happened from Tuesday on just just made it even worse. Uh, the, the outcome isn't surprising. It does suck. But one thing that did was an early turning point was that, you know, we're we're on the two yard line. We don't punch it in. And then we kicked the field goal, and then there was a running into the kicker. So we would have had fourth and goal from the one. Um, a lot of people criticized Clemens' decision to kick it. I was, you know, 50 um, 50. Wh- where do you stand on that? Are you a fan of taking the points early? I think a lot of folks criticized Clemens for being conservative in those issues or in those moments. Um, is that something that you want him to change, or are you just saying, hey, you know what, I, I trust him and his gut in those situations? I do trust him in that situation. It was early um, uh, points. It looked like it was going to be a low-scoring game early on, so I thought, you know, points are, are valuable. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, though, and um, now you kind of wish, well, what would have happened should we have uh, – you know, went for it and punched it in, you know, and then, uh, Jack Stenine, I, man, I, I, he should have caught that pass and it looked like maybe he did, but it was not to be. Yeah, it, it was not to be. Um, we, we, we talked about up front, you know, the initial dream of Arlington might be a little dead, but I wrote this before Oklahoma state lost to Texas. Um, but I, I still think if you win either of the next two games, you get to go right back to it. Granted, Texas looks like it might be tougher on that final game of the regular season than folks were probably hoping. But do you think it's unfair to put those expectations and hopes on this team, uh, seeing where they are? And I think everyone initially thought, hey, this was going to be the quote-unquote rebuilding year. So do you think it's unfair to put those expectations? Or is it, hey, fans are you know short for fanatics for a reason? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's okay for fans to dream. It's okay to, to think that why, why not this team? 
And in, in this year, in this COVID year, anything can happen and will happen. We don't know what kind of uh, strength Oklahoma State will be when we face them. Uh, it's quite, quite possible they'll have injuries and, and folks out with COVID and distractions as well. And, you know, while that's the same with us, as, uh, that's the same with our team too, um, it's okay to dream. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, so we'll just run through the team stats real quick. West Virginia had 485 yards. We had 225, so proper beatdown. Turnovers, West Virginia only had one. We had three. Penalties, West Virginia had five for 50. We had five for 28, but it seemed like four of those all came like on their first goal line mm-hmm. run. So, I, again, you, you see a little bit of uh, – you know, improvement there. But then what it really comes down to is third and fourth down efficiency. West Virginia went nine of 18 on third down, one of two on fourth down. K-State six of 14 on third down. Again, very early in the game, there was a point where West Virginia was five for five and we were 0 for three. And that's when they started to run away from the game. I think at that point, uh, we just knew it was over. Um, and, and, and it sucks. Uh, they didn't make a game of the second half. We did get a little bit better on third down efficiency in the second half, but at that point, it's too far gone. Um, are, at this point in the season, do you anticipate us figuring out third down on offense or defense? Yeah, I do. I think uh, if if we're at third and two <laughs> versus third and seven or eight, that's where we need to be. We'll convert more of those if we can be third and short, but you know. Too many times, third and seven, third and eight, third and 11. That's a lot to ask of Will to lead a uh, conversion on. Yeah, I agree with you. So we'll get into the uh, offensive breakdown real quick. But first, we don't know why Manscaped.com doesn't talk about their boxer briefs and their ad reads, but we go a little rogue, and they are the best boxer briefs in the world. They also have the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. I don't want to put throw you under the bus, Dad, but you probably need to go over to Manscaped and get that because I can see the nose and ear hair coming out. Well, that's, that's one thing I'll tell you about uh, when you reach your 50s and 60s. You lose hair where you want it, and you gain hair where you don't. Well, it sounds like you really need to get over to Manscaped because that Weed Whacker has 9,000 RPM rotary blade, so it's going to take care of you. And my favorite thing, the Manscaped lawnmower. I now shave my entire body using it because I can do it with guarantees. I'm not going to have any nicks, snags, or cuts to my nuts. So you know what? Yeah, sorry. My mom is also listening to this ad read, and she didn't really like that one. But if you go to manscaped.com and use promo code armchair, you can get 20% off the best boxer briefs in the world, the ear and nose hair trimmer, the body trimmer, free shipping, 20% off, use promo code armchair, and I will still send anyone who sends me their receipt a Bosco's Boys koozie in the mail. So let's get into the offense. Something that we've been talking about almost every game is how much of this do you think comes down to Messingham and the game plan he called versus the players not executing? Well, it's got to be a little bit of both. I mean, um, uh, Messingham knows what he's got when he's trotting out the offense each, uh, each game early on. He, he's done research on the defense. He's done game film planning. So I think it starts with him. But let's face it. Uh, each one of those groups on offense, they have to perform, they have to execute the game plan, uh, they have to make plays. Uh, and you know what? We've got a, a young quarterback out there that needs a lot of support and, and a lot of uh, 
thought of the other groups to perform for him to look good too. Yeah, and I, I outside of a couple plays, I actually wasn't very displeased with the game plan uh, Messingham called. He came out aggressive, three straight passes, and we just weren't able to make it happen. Um, in the short term level, so let's say for the rest of the season or even the next three, four or two, three games, how concerned are you with the offense? But then long term, do you have any sort of anxiety when you start looking, trying to project out the offense? Uh, next year, the following year, and for years to come? I don't have any anxiety looking into the, the future because I, I think there's going to be... Um, I, I, I think the young, younger players will, will be better. I think we've, uh, we've recruited good players in all the position groups. Uh, will Howard can only get better in my estimation. I think he's got a good psyche and the good mental capacity not to be broken from a performance like this. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with everything you said. I am a little worried. Uh, you have Oklahoma State, who's just as good of a defense. I think you're going to have another week of baptism by fire. But if I'm going to put my spin zone hat on, you have these two weeks versus two of the best defenses in the Big 12. You have a bye week, and then you have Iowa State, which, again, another great defense. But then Will Howard is going to have back-to-back game weeks where he's facing these elite-level defenses and then a bye week. So, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll preview the Oklahoma State game later this week. But I, I think that might be ugly. But I'm telling you this, I I think that he is going to summon all the quarterbacks of K-State pass, and he's going to have a big game versus Iowa State. But let's talk about Will Howard. He was 19 of 37, only 184 yards, did have a touchdown, three interceptions. I would say a very poor game from him overall. Uh, three interceptions is always going to reflect some on the QB. All three of them were bad throws. All three of them were bad decisions. But on at least two of those, the wide receivers really hung him out to dry. How would you have graded out Will Howard's performance yesterday? Well, you can't grade it much more than about a D. I mean, uh, given three interceptions is is uh, just not acceptable. But you're right. I, I think receivers could have bailed him out uh, uh, on a couple of those, and there were some drops. Uh, I did, I did feel like his throwing and his accuracy was was not good yesterday. It I made it, it made it look like that there was a lot of high wind out there or something, because some of his throws looked like they just were were floating, uh, maybe not a good spiral. Uh, and he underthrew a couple of his deep deep balls as well. So I can't I can't really give him a great grade, but he hung in there. Yeah, he's it, a tough kid. And you never saw him lose uh, the competitive edge. You've never saw him lose confidence. If if you want to really get down on some of the players, I think that there might have been some guys, especially on the defense, that you. If you, if you want to go that far, you could. You never saw that out of him, and I think that's important with a freshman. But it does look like, you know, he's playing against, you know, a defenses that are going at one and, a half, one and a half speed, and he's just stuck in one X. And, you know, that's to be expected with a true freshman. I think folks have criticized this podcast. They've criticized me and Grant for maybe being too tough on Will Howard. Uh, but nothing that we have – said about him is saying that he won't be a good quarterback. You know, the things we get criticized saying, hey, he's average for a true freshman. He's not quite good yet. I don't think anyone 
can watch what he does and say, hey, he right now as we sit here, he is good or he's an above average true freshman quarterback. That's just not the case. Granted, we'll talk about his pieces later. It is a lot tougher to be above average. It's a lot tougher to be good when you have the band of characters at wide receiver and you have Deuce Vaughn banged up. It is very tough. So I don't think that necessarily reflects poorly on him. At the end of the day, he's a true freshman playing power five football and he's gotten some wins. The future is bright for Will Howard, but in the micro, in the current sense, uh, yesterday it was a no-win pr- proposition, and sadly, I think at least versus Oklahoma State, it's going to look a lot more like that than it did versus KU. Yeah, I would agree, um, and I, and I do think that you know the the pieces, the different groups that that really can support a young quarterback didn't come to play yesterday. They, no. they, we didn't see it. But I do want to give him credit because he made two very good throws. He had that early throw to Briley Moore where he just put it right in the basket. Briley Moore was right there, lobbed it over two defenders in front of another one. That was great. And then the throw to Malik Knowles, he had the foresight to find him and put it in there too. He had good moments, but in a game where the offense needed him to be great, he just wasn't quite average. And, again, I don't think you can put any of that on him. It's just, you know, a true freshman who didn't even have spring practice. Yep, agreed. So we'll move on to the offensive line. Oh, man. Uh, I, I guess all I can do is ask you how you thought they performed because it was it was a rough one for them. I think at one point yesterday I said to you uh, regarding the offensive line, I said, boy, it looks like our guys are slow. Yeah. And uh, I think you said that's because they are. Right. <laughs> I, and and it just it just it just felt like that they were reaching a lot and they just their their footwork was not up to par to stay up with that offensive that defensive uh, front of West Virginia. Yeah, I thought early on actually, especially in pass pro, that they looked better than I thought they were going to. But then I think once uh, the West Virginia front got into the game, I think once they decided, okay, it's time for us to turn it on. I don't think we. I don't think we're going to ever uh, stop them. They have three dudes who all will be playing on Sunday. I think the Stills brothers both are going to be first-round draft picks. They were just very disruptive, and it's been tough. So uh, I think it was probably the worst uh, that the offensive line has played this year. Granted, it was the best defensive front they've played. But some fans are starting to question Connor Riley. And he's been a coach that at least I personally, I've been a fan of. I think he needs more time. I think especially the type of offensive line they want, they need to get their guys in there. But it hasn't stopped folks from really criticizing him. Where do you land on that? And do you think that you know he should be worried or should his seat be hot at all at this point? Not at this point. I think it's early on in his tenure at K-State, and I think you're right. I think the key is getting the types of athletes in the offensive line group that they, that they need and they want. And it's tougher to develop those guys, too. I think offensive line above anything – uh, is one of the spots where you can't just take a recruit, plug and play, and they're trying to do it. You know, BB is a young guy. Mitchum has been playing. Willis has been playing. They're playing some of these young guys. I think they're going to get there, but you know, I, they just aren't there yet. They gave up three sacks. They gave up three tackles, two QB hits. But I think the biggest indictment: only 1.8 yards per carry for this team, and only 41 total rushing yards. When you have performances like that, this team is not going to be successful. In my opinion, there wasn't a single guy who had a good game on the offensive line. It is a little concerning. Um, 
you know, I do. You, if you're Connor Riley, put yourself in his shoes. Do you just throw away the game tape and just say move on to the next one, or is this a game that you're trying to dissect and trying to fix? Oh, I think I think you take note of this game tape for sure. I mean, uh, you know, for this offense to be successful and effective in the game plan, they've got to run the ball. I mean, there has to be some kind of a semblance of a running game. It doesn't have to be 300 yards, but they have to be able to run it to give Will Howard the opportunity to do other things that he needs to do in the passing game. Yeah, I I mean, that's probably more realistic. Uh, When I wrote that question, I was thinking to myself, man, if I'm Connor Riley, I'd just destroy that tape and just try to move on from that. But, you know, that's honestly probably what he should do. He shouldn't listen to me. I'm emotional. Uh, you know, you know me. You've known me my entire life. I, I, I go a little wild. But let's talk about Titans and fullbacks. Fullbacks, I, there wasn't really much notable from their blocking performance. Both guys, Jax and Barta, got some uh, game time. But Jackson did have two catches for 19 yards. Uh, but probably his most notable play was that drop in the end zone when he was going down for it. Couldn't hold on to it, rolling over. Uh, but looked good on his other two receptions. So in in those moments, did he show you enough to maybe think, okay, uh, maybe we need to get Jackson in two or three catches out in open field? Or do you think that his uh, involvement in the passing game more was based on the circumstances of wide receivers not getting open and Will just trying to have to find checkdowns? Well, I think that's a good question. I My first reaction to this is that I think it was more circumstantial. Um, but – you know, if he can if he can catch the ball, if he can, you know, find open spaces and Will can can find him and throw him the ball and he'll catch it, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, uh, we need to have uh, more support for Will in the check down game and and short passing game. So, you know, he he's shown that he can catch the ball. Yeah, it, it hurt my soul uh, for him to drop that because I have a feeling if he would have called that a touchdown, he would have gotten a. 15-yard penalty for spiking the ball and then, like, trying to Iverson step over some West Virginia defender. So on top of it, meaning, you know, maybe changing the momentum just as Jacksonine's biggest fan, that that hurt my soul. But I, I agree. I think that he's shown that he can be a bowling ball of an athlete when he gets the ball, you know, on a little wheel route. I mean, he had a, you know, a 10-yard catch and a 9-yard catch. I mean, I think he can be dangerous. Um, but let's move on to the guy who there is no question. He is the focal point of the passing offense. Bradley Moore, once again, just showed how great he was. Um, two catches for 37 yards. But, man, he took that helmet to the spine and his back locked up. I'm not personally, at least right now, worried it's going to be long-term because he was walking around. It sounds like they just couldn't get him back loose. And by the time that happened, the game was out of reach. So you don't want to risk any further injury. But – uh, you know, A, tell me how much you've enjoyed watching Bradley Moore, and B, how much trouble is this offense going to be in if he can't play versus Oklahoma State? Well, I've enjoyed him. He's been a bright spot in the receiving group, uh, and he's tough. You know, he, he really gets his nose in there, and, and he fights for extra yards and delivers a hit. So he's, he's really been fun to watch, and he's been a, you know, a reliable target for, uh, for Will. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're – if, if he's unable to play or he's going to be hampered for the rest of the season with nagging back problems, that's a big problem. That's a that's a concern. Yep, Sammy Wheeler and Nick Lunners both caught passes, making it the second straight game. All three tight ends caught passes. 
Sammy Wheeler, three for 19. Leonard's one for nine. Do either of these guys show you enough to think that they can step into the void? Moore's going to leave if he misses time with injury this season or next year when Moore's probably playing on Sundays? Uh, not in total, but I think is if they get their confidence going and, they, and they're hauling in passes uh, thrown their way, uh, becoming reliable targets just to get those completions when we need to get that offensive rhythm going. They're not going to be the deeper threat that, that Briley is, I don't believe. But, you know, in red zone situations, uh, they could be very effective. Yep, no, I, I, I've really enjoyed watching Sammy Wheeler this year, and I think Nick Lenners will continue to get better as his confidence builds up. Uh, and he's also a pretty good blocker. So let's talk running backs. Oh, man, another disappointing uh, position group. Deuce Vaughn, for the first time in his career, was completely bottled up. He was battling injury that wasn't really publicized. I don't know if Coach Kleiman said anything about it in the postgame press conference, but the insiders uh, have had mentioned it late in the week that he was questionable as late as Thursday. Um, so he just didn't ever have any of those big games. He had nine carries for just 22 yards with a long of seven, two receptions for just one yard. Hindsight is 2020, so this is a stupid question even to ask. But knowing he was banged up and seeing how the game went, do you almost think maybe you should have just kept him at home and just made sure he was as healthy as he could be for the Oklahoma State game? Well, it depends on how bad his injury was. But, yes, I mean, uh, we were so ineffective running the ball, and I don't think it was their fault. I don't. I, I think it was a, a – uh, you know, a defensive line at West Virginia versus our our uh, offensive line and and support blocking from you know running backs. You know, it just was not it was it was not a good mix for it wouldn't have mattered who was back there running the ball. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I would I would have kept him out. I agree with you. I, I again, it's hindsight twenty twenty, and I I think that question probably isn't realistic for the type of kid Deuce Vaughn is. Deuce Vaughn wants to be a leader. Deuce Vaughn wants to put it all on the line for his team. And I think Coach Kleiman trusts the players. If they think they can go, I think he's going to give them the shot. And Deuce Vaughn doesn't strike me as a guy who's ever if, – if there's even a 1% chance he's going to play, he's going to try to play. So, again, I I don't know if it's a realistic thing to try to tell him, hey, no, just stay at home, get better for Oklahoma State, but I wish we would have. Uh, Harry Trotter had three carries for 12 yards. I think he had one of his worst games blocking – in pass pro and lead blocking, which is something that I know he prides himself in. It was it was tough to see. Keon Mosey had three carries for 10 yards. Burns had one carry for six yards. But how much can you really even take away from the running back performance in a game where they were getting met in the backfield or right at the line of scrimmage almost every time they touched the ball? Uh, almost zero. Uh, and, and getting back to, to injuries, I think you're right. I think, you know, um, if – if Deuce was just a little banged up, but but he's just like, hey, I'm I'm out there. I'm going to be with my brothers. You know, I, I get that, and you you trust your players to do that. But but you're right. You know, there there was nothing to take away from uh, that regarding the running back group. I they just they they had no no chance yesterday. Do you think? And again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and that's part of you know being a podcast on the Armchair Media Network. I mean, we don't try to shy away from it. We're fans. Uh, this is what you do. But do, do you almost think that, hey, coming out and just trying to pass the ball in that first possession, three straight passes, instead of at least trying, you know, in the first two possessions, trying to get more of a running game going, do you think that might have played any part of it? Or do you think it would have just been delaying the inevitable? 
Well, I think you're right. I think they came out throwing because they knew it was going to be a tough day running. They probably felt like they had to throw to set up the run yesterday, which is not what they want to do. No, it is not. And especially with the wide receivers, let's get into it. What, what's wrong with this unit? You, know, you have tons of drop balls just failing to get open uh, with as much reliability as you want and just not being able to take step forward, uh, make plays for a true freshman. Like, what is going on with this group? Well, I think it's a confidence thing, and that's where I thought if Malik can, you know, he, he had a, a couple of moments in success in, in the return game. He caught a, caught a touchdown pass, you know, caught – I thought this, this might give him a little bit more confidence to where he's going to be uh, effective. Now let's just start with Malik Knowles. We'll go, uh, you know, a little bit out of order on the outline. But he had that catch for 35 yards and a touchdown. He had that one good return. I was hoping that was going to get him going. But even after that touchdown, he just wasn't, you know, he didn't get open. Again, I think he, again, got banged up again. He's someone who has a history of injuries. I just, you know, I... I, I don't know because he has the tools and we've seen the sparks of greatness from him. He is a guy who at his best could be an NFL type player, but is it is it just as simple as he's in his own head? I don't know. It's just, it's just wild to see uh, the saga of Malik Knowles. Well, we've seen in the past how effective he can be. He can be a big uh, play receiver. Um, I think it's a mental thing right now. And hopefully he gets over it. Sebastian Taylor, uncharacteristic for the type of year he was having. Three of 19, he had some drops. Um, how kind of disheartening was it? Because coming into this game, I think we all were starting to attach ourselves to the idea of Sebastian Taylor being a true number one receiver. Well, it was disappointing. And he had uh, a real disappointing drop. It was uh, it was in the second half, and, and we were trying to – it was a drive that we really needed to get points on, and I think it was a third and long, and, and Will found him, and he looked away before he got the ball in his hands and he dropped it. Um, I think it was a little bit of a snowballing effect, uh, especially in the second half when the game started to get away. I think players were maybe trying to do too much and maybe you know kind of missing some of the, the smaller, simple things that they need to do. And... Uh, it, it just got away from him. Yep, Philip Brooks led the team in receiving despite having drops himself, four receptions for 39 yards. At least for me, if I'm if I'm trying to put on my sunshine pumper hat, drink a little Kool-Aid, I would say the positive for the wide receivers is he's getting himself back involved in the passing game. But again, he had some drops there too, so I think that might be even pressing a little bit. DJ Render, one catch for nine yards. Uh, he, along with most of the offense, really couldn't figure it out. And and that's a little sad because he's been Will Howard's safety blanket, which is weird because he's gone from wide receiver to safety to corner back to wide receiver. It's all over the place. Um, and, and before we move on to the defense, this is the one coach on the staff who I think I would be ready to move on from, and it's Jason Ray. I've not been a fan of him from the start, so I have my own biases um, but I, I just think if you look at his track record and how much he's jumped around, I think the proof is in the pudding. He's never had a place for more than two years. I personally am hoping that pattern continues. You're a nicer human being than me. Um, are you at that same point? Or are you kind of saying, hey, you know, COVID, things are wild, still two years with the entire system. Uh, let's see at least what happens next year before you might be willing to move on from Jason Ray. Well, I'm a little bit more the latter. I, I would probably... You know, this season, almost everybody gets a little bit of a pass, but maybe not as much for him because it feels to me like he had a lot more to work with. 
he, he has some talent in that group. And, and some of these guys are just maybe, maybe regressing a little bit. And if you've got somebody that's maybe having a, maybe, maybe a bad early season is getting in their heads like Malik, you got to be able to help him get out of that and put him in good situations so that he can, you know, maybe get two or three catches in a row and, you know, maybe, maybe get out of the funk. Uh, so, yeah, I th- I'd say his seat is a little hotter than others. Yep, I, I, I agree with you. Let's move on to the defense. Just poor defensive output. Uh, you know, it, it was predicted by this podcast that we were going to struggle on offense. Um, but the defense gave up 30 of the 37 points, once again proving that uh, you know they weren't able to get off the field on a lot of crucial third-down situations, gave up a few big plays. Do you think this is something that just happens when you call as an de- aggressive defensive game, uh, you know, as Klanderman does, or do you think that his, his play-calling philosophy might be an underlying issue for him as a defensive coordinator? I have a hard time answering that. Uh... I'm, again, it's got to be part of the defensive calls, um, but you know, once again, you know, there were there were moments when it felt like they could run any way they wanted against us. I mean, you know, between the tackles, around around the the tackles, uh, so um, it's it's a little bit of a combination of all. Again, kind of a snowballing effect on the defensive side. I, I think players were probably. I think it's for college kids, it's natural for them to maybe get outside of their lane a little bit, feel like they've got to do uh, a little bit more than, than what they should be concerned with. Just do your assignment, be assignment sound. And, you know, um, when when you get behind, you feel like you have to make that, that big play. Sometimes college kids do that, you know, quite frequently, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. At the end of the day, I, I, I trust Klanderman. We saw, you know, struggled versus Arkansas State, bounced back for four straight. I, I think, you know, you're still going to have some struggles, but I, I still believe in him. And I, I would rather lose uh, and give up third downs being more aggressive, similar to what we are, instead of uh, just sitting back and almost in a shell prevent type thing in those situations. So I'm going to live with it. Uh, let's, let's move on and talk about the specific – Groups, The defensive line, I, I personally, I don't know if you would agree with this, but they were the only position group where I would probably give a passing grade on the day. Maybe the tight ends and fullbacks, but uh, they probably had the highest passing grade for me. Drew Wiley had, again, just a great game. He He's really stepped up in the absence of the two defensive tackles we had last year. He had seven tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss, one sack. White Hubert, four tackles, half uh, tackle for a loss. Khalid Duke, three tackles, two tackles for a loss, sack. Eli Huggins, three tackles. Jalen Pickle, who, again, he's a young guy who I'm, I'm so happy is getting time out there. Three tackles. Uh, he had one half uh, tackle for a loss. Kamari Gaines, two tackles, or one tackle for a loss, hence one tackle. It wasn't enough to save the defense, but they had some very bright moments in my opinion. What is your takeaway from the shift that the defensive line put in? Well, I think uh, you're right. I think that was the, uh, from a performance perspective, that was the best group we had out there, uh, especially on defense. Um, I like that group. We've got some good young guys on that group as well that show. I, I think their ceiling is very, very high. That that could be a dominating defensive line uh, in the years to come. I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think the 
The talent is there. I, I actually think Buddy White and Tui, I think they're good coaches. I think they are creative enough with their stunts and where they position guys that they, they're going to be a positive from here on out. Again, you know, you look back to the Arkansas State game, how ineffective they were to them, even in a losing effort, being able to get in the backfield as much as they did. I think especially, and, I, and I'm sorry, I usually don't do this. I keep already – I want to move on to the Oklahoma State game. I, I'm probably – uh, getting a little ahead of myself, but you you watch what how different quarterbacks Oklahoma State and even the next one Iowa State Brock Purdy Sanders and Purdy both of them are prone to making massive mistakes when they are under pressure. And I actually think that's something that Daigie didn't do, and he is prone to make those mistakes. And yesterday he just didn't. He was cool under pressure. He took sacks. He threw the ball away when he needed to. But the next two quarterbacks we play. They love to fumble the ball, and they love to throw interceptions when they have heat on. So I think it's going to be important that the defensive line bottles this up and even takes it to maybe another level if we're going to pull off any of these next two games, both of which probably will be upsets. Um, let's move on to linebackers. And, man, I hate to do it because I love all four of the guys, but they really struggle. They rarely made tackles at the line of scrimmage when they were helping in the uh, run game. Uh, they were not very good in pass coverage. Hughes led the team with nine tackles, but you can tell it's obvious. His athleticism isn't there, and he doesn't cut, trust his knee. Anytime a running back or wide receiver makes a cut, he can't do the cut. He doesn't trust his knee. Um, and, and, again, I don't I don't blame him. It sucks. But, you know, I think we all remember how good Justin Hughes can be if he's 100% healthy. How uh, – I don't want to say disappointing because it almost makes it sound like you're – a little too tough on them than you should be, but it is you know it is disappointing that we we aren't able to see peak Justin Hughes. Mm -hmm. Boy, isn't that the truth? Because uh, I like him so much. He's a, an emotional leader out there on the field. You can tell that he's trying to get the team fired up and everything. But yeah, when when you really, especially on replays, when you focus in on on Justin, he doesn't look athletic. Yeah, and, and it's frustrating because, again, before that ACL tear, like if you go back and watch his junior year film, he is an athlete, and he's a guy that, oh, man, when he, I when he got his sixth year of eligibility, I was pumped. Obviously, I doubt he's going to want to come back for his seventh year. I mean, he's been around Manhattan forever. I, I would assume he wants to move on with his life. Uh, but, man, if he did come back next year and he was able to trust his knee 100%, I think he would be dangerous. Um, one of my favorite guys, Daniel Green, I think mm. he did. Uh, I think he played well. I think if you're going to say, hey, players who actually had a passing day, not the unit, but Daniel Green himself, I thought he was good. He was flying around, had seven tackles. He was a guy who did seem to want to meet the ball at contact. He got a tackle for a loss. Um, he's still just a sophomore. Again, he's a guy who seems like he's been around forever. He's still just a sophomore. Um, what did you take away from the chaos that Daniel Green was able to cause when he was out there? Well, a couple times it just seemed to me that, boy, he really laid some some heavy hits out there. He really came with the wood, and uh, I like that. I mean, that's that's what you expect to see from K-State you know, linebackers is when they get the opportunity to really lay a hit. Yeah, they take the opportunity. Yeah. And Cody Fletcher also had seven tackles, one tackle for a loss. Again, he same stat line as Daniel Green. He just didn't seem to be 
uh, making that first tackle. I think he he kind of got cooked a little bit as well on some of those cutbacks. But I do think, at least in this game, and honestly, I might even say throughout the rest of the season, the combination of those second team linebackers might be outperforming Hughes and Sullivan, the two Georgia guys. Uh, Sullivan, two tackles. I, I honestly think it was one of the worst games he's played as a Wildcat, and he's had a good career. Again, uh, he's not the only one. It was a rough game for everyone. I don't want to pick too much on him, but um, in, in a game where they had some opportunities to make plays in the passing game, the running game, they just couldn't do it. Uh, you walk away defeated with the linebacking core. Three of those four are seniors. Um, does that give you concern? Because w- when you look at most of the team, you, you see all these young guys, all these young guys. This is three seniors and a sophomore. Um, does that make you a little bit more bearish about this group if you start projecting out into future years? Uh, well, not necessarily. I, I, I do think that some of these young guys that are going to be, you know, when you say like Daniel Green, for example, that that's almost surprising. I was just like, you know, it does feel like he's been here forever. But uh, I think I think when you look at a game like yesterday, I think what I said earlier applies a, a lot of times to, to the linebackers. I think maybe some of these guys, like Sullivan, for example, I think maybe he was trying to do too much and found himself out of position quite quite often. Uh, but uh, I, 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 have, I have faith in the young guys coming up you know, from behind and, and really filling those roles in the future. I do. Yeah. I, I think that this will be a spot, though. I think wide receiver, I think running back, and I think linebacker, uh, that the, the staff is going to be on the lookout in the transfer portal. Let's get into the secondary. You know, again, it doesn't get much better. Gave up 22 completions for 301 yards. Just rough game. Only had two pass breakups, no interceptions on 34 attempts by Daigie, who I said earlier, you know, he sometimes likes to put put the ball in in peril. I think Daigie actually had one of his better games. I think he loves playing against K-State. I, I do want to bring up J-Mac because I think he's having an all-Big 12-like season. He played well. Uh, he was banged up a bit in the first half, and that's honestly when West Virginia started finding their rhythm on offense he had half a tackle for a loss he had eight total tackles but do you think he's the most important defender on this team he is without question and again I think he he shows leadership out there as well um I was really concerned when he got banged up I thought he might be done but he was out the next series I think he came back out so uh but I think I think he in the especially in the secondary he's our leader back there yep um Ross Elder continued to start. He had six tackles. I just don't think he shines very much, but he continues to start over Wayne Jones and some of the other young safeties. Do you think that's preventing us from getting to the ceiling on defense or you know, are our fans just a little bit too unfair to Mr. Ross? Maybe a little unfair. I think he really works hard. I think he I think he understands the scheme. Uh, but um, <laughs> As far as athleticism, I mean, he's not the athlete that we would, would expect. Like. Yeah, <laughs> that we would like. Yes, no, that's, I, that's better. I, I I agree with you, and I, I do think myself included might be a little bit too tough on him. But I I guess maybe it comes down to you know Wayne Jones, Tyron Lewis, uh, you know T.J. Smith is hurt out for the season, ACL tear, and all. I think it maybe comes down to those guys just not doing enough, and Ross Elder doing enough. And I again, it's unlike Bill Snyder. Uh, again, I I try not to. The Snyder is over. I'm trying not to drag him down, but I didn't trust him in his decisions, his personnel decisions. I don't I don't trust him. 
I trust this staff. So if they continue to roll Ross Elder out there, I'm going to trust them. It's um, for good reason. Yes, I, I, yeah. I, I, I will I will support their decision. Uh, Willie Jones started in the absence of A.J. Parker. He had four tackles, but even in the good moments, in his good moments, I think this team really missed A.J. Parker because he's been making plays in the pass game and in the run game. Not to take away from Willie Jones, again, another freshman, but – you know, how much did it hurt not having A.J. Parker in a game like this? Oh, it, that that was huge because, like you say, not only is he our best uh, pass defender, I mean, he, he does contribute mightily to, to defending the run. And he breaks every single screenplay when he's yeah. out there. He's coming in like a torpedo and he's taking him out. I, at least the hope is he'll be back for Oklahoma State. If not, it should be Iowa State. But, again, I think Willie Jones has a promising future in that nickelback role. Um, but A.J. Parker, is he's a Sunday player. He's a all-Big 12-type player. He is – I think the defense missed him big time. But uh, Echo Boydo, I want to talk about him real quick, the sophomore from Lawrence. He had three tackles. He had one pass breakup when they tried to challenge him in the end zone. Um, but I think he has turned himself into a legitimately – good number one cornerback in the Big 12. And he was a guy who I had marked as a possible transfer candidate. Um, mm-hmm. He had a good game. But, again, I am I kind of just don't want to talk about this game anymore. But just t- tell me what you thought about Echo Boydo's, you know, uh, just ascendance this year. Well, I like the way he's, he's learning how to defend the pass in the college game. And and that's that takes some time. I mean, uh, because – you know, what I see in, in college football right now is typically we're going to have a, a Big 12 caliber receiver who's going to be about six foot two, six foot three, and as a defender, we're going to be undermatched uh, physically uh, in, in, in many cases. And so you've got to be able to hand fight, be physical with that receiver, and then know when to turn and defend that, that pass. And, and I think he's really, he's really caught on. He's really learning how to do that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, Justin Gardner seemed to struggle, got two tackles, didn't have any pass breakups, which is something you want from him with his length. True freshman Amaris Brown did get more snaps this week. I think he is settling into that safety role, got two tackles, was credited with the one turnover with uh, the fumble recovery. Keandre Thomas got one tackle. Brock Monty, one tackle. Cameron Key, one tackle. Wayne Jones, only one tackle. Again, I'm – Really hoping that uh, next season Wayne Jones gets back to the form he showed last year. Um, while they didn't play a great game and uh, you know just didn't seem up to the task, didn't find ways to make plays when they needed, couldn't get their hands on some of those the few bad passes from Daigie. Um, you know they still have better offenses to play this season. Like, do you have? Where's your confidence level in the secondary? Is it as simple as saying, "Hey, once AJ Parker comes back." Uh, you're going to feel better about the secondary? Or is it more of, okay, buckle up, you know, you still have to play some real good offenses? Well, I, we, we will be better when A.J.'s back. I mean, that'll make everybody else better as well, well too. But uh, we've got young guys with experience against this caliber of uh, opponent. They'll get better, and they'll get more confidence when they make plays. I, 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 have, I have high hopes. I like it. I think I think it's better that you're on this podcast than Grant. I think Grant would be far more doom and gloom, but I, I like it. I I want to keep a little positive. Um, hey, everybody, we're in first place. It is true. We're, we're still in first place. It, it, look at your ESPN app. We're at the top of the Big 12. We're having a laugh. 
Um, the special teams review is brought to you by the special team of doctors over at Kansas City Direct Primary Care. KCDPC offers high quality primary care at an affordable monthly rate, regardless of insurance status, with no copays or hidden fees. Dr. Short realizes this audience is mainly men, so let's get down to brass tacks. A lot of men do not feel like they need a doctor or avoid going, but then will spend a lot of money on expensive hair loss and erectile dysfunction services like Hems, Keeps, or Blue Chew. A membership at KCDPC costs the same or less than these services while providing the same medications at a much lower price. Most importantly, Dr. Short is also a board-certified primary care physician who can treat a wide spectrum of illness and disease. He can take care of that weird mole on your back and much more. KCDPC is excited to announce a bonehead special. You will get $100 off a vasectomy package. That's a pun intended right there. A fresh cut of the vast deference pairs perfectly with a fresh cut from the Lawnmower 3.0. This is a limited time offer for boneheads only. Visit them at kcdpc.com or call 913-730-0331 for more information. Again, that is 913-730-0331. Also, if anyone gets a vasectomy with them and uses that rate, you can also come on for a Q&A episode. So if you get your vast deference clipped over at KCDPC, PC. You can do a QA episode with us. All right, special teams just didn't make any big plays. Again, this is the first game. They didn't get any blocks, they didn't get any returns, just couldn't do anything. Uh, Blake Lynch went one of two on field goals. I don't put much blame on him for missing that 52 yarder. It could have really changed momentum, kept momentum going our way. Um, how much stock do you put in him not being able to bang that one through? Uh, it would have been nice. Uh, but not not a lot. I, I think again. I think conditions were such that a long field goal was going to be very difficult. Uh, what was disappointing with that field goal attempt and miss was that it wasn't from like 45 yards instead of what was it 52? 52. Yeah. Because it seemed like we had an opportunity at, on third down. Yeah, it was there. a drop. If we could have if we could have just you know given him five less yards to uh, attempt that. It might go through, and it might might have made a difference in momentum. We, it would have given us the lead, right? Yeah, it would have given us the lead. I think at that point, it's three to three. Would have gotten gone up six three. I think they turn around, score a touchdown, and then from that moment on, it was it was a little bit of a runaway train. Um, the return game. Never really got much chance on the punt returns. The kick returns were quite poor outside of Noel's 46-yard return. Um, just as a whole, uh, it was a spot I thought we could exploit them. Their kicker doesn't get it to the end zone. Then their kicker even got injured, so it was their backup kicker. But even after that 46-yard return, they only averaged 19.3. Um, and again, you know, just couldn't come up with any big plays on special teams. Both punters t- continue to do a good job. Zentner got three punts along with 46. Bloomer, two punts of 39. But the, the the problem is is neither one of them were able to have that you know 60-yard boomer that flipped possession and pinned them deep inside the five, which is what we got so used to with Ankdol. We talked about this on the last pod. I think both of them are good kickers, above average Big 12 kickers. I think we have two of the five best punters in the Big 12, but none of them are Devin Ankdol. Um, were we just kind of spoiled with Devin Ankdol being able to, you know, boom a 70-yarder if we needed him to? Well, we I mean, were, we were, and, and neither of these guys uh, probably have the physical capability of even doing that. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe one out of ten. If well, if they have a nice backwind, yeah, <laughs> you know, they might be able to boom one up there and, and get that done. But Ankle, if 
well, he's not here, but but he could even even in a a, a breeze, he could he could drive that ball with a spiral and oh, yeah. just boom it like a howitzer. It, it's wild that he never really even got much of a look in the NFL again, especially especially punters and kickers. It's so you know ancestral when it comes to uh, getting a shot in the NFL. It just doesn't happen quite often, but. Uh, I, I miss Devin Ankle, but again, Zentner and Bloomer both are top five punters in the Big Twelve. Just sure. I think we are very spoiled with Devin Ankle for two, three years. Let's let's grade our keys to V. I don't think this is going to be very pretty. Um, the number one key to V was continue to play outstanding defense. I don't know about you. I, I I'm gonna give it just straight up F. Well, uh, I'm going to uh, give it a D. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It, it, it was ugly. It was ugly. The next one, very ugly. You only had one appearance in the red zone, and you didn't score a touchdown. That has to be F minus zero percent. Just disgusting uh, performance. And that one one shot in the red zone and only getting there once is also very disappointing. Well, yeah, that's an. I'm going to give that an incomplete. Oh man, <laughs> I, I that might be. I mean, is, is incomplete worse than F? I don't know. It's pretty much the same, but it basically says you didn't, you didn't, didn't even try. <laughs> well, I think th- I, I really think they tried, but they just didn't complete the assignment. Yeah, uh, which is a failing. It is a fail. Uh, another one: find early success for the wide receivers, especially when you throw the word "early" on there. It has to be another F from me. Yeah, might another, be straight F. Uh, it would be an F or an incomplete. Yeah, and then and then the other one is find a score or be set up a short field due to special teams or defense. I'm going to give this a D minus just so it's not straight F's for me because he did mm-hmm. have that one kick return that got you, uh, you know, into West Virginia territory. But I'm going to say D minus for me. I'll give it an F then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not not great. Uh, our postgame Ask Bosco questions, uh, we're going to keep with having a special, special pod for that. It'll drop into your feed on Tuesday. I think Grant will join me on that one. If you're listening, you can try to sneak in an extra question before we record that. So let's go to our game balls presented by Bet Online. Again, they're our exclusive online wagering partner. You can wager on just about everything over there. Use promo code ARMCHAIR for your welcome bonus. Again, Bet Online, literally, folks, uh, the election's on Tuesday, but then guess what? On Wednesday, Cleanse your soul from all that gross politics with a full slate of Maction. That's right. Maction is back on Wednesday. Tweet me in a bet slip of a game that you bet on with Maction on Bet Online. I'll send you a koozie. Amen. So, yep. So let, let's do it. Um, you know, game balls. We try to do one offense, one defense, and a swagger sticker, which is just an extra prize. This one's a little tough. Uh, Dad, I'll let you go first so you can take whoever you want. Well, uh, my first game ball is going to go uh, to Briley Moore. Um, I, I first thought about giving it to the tight end group because I thought collectively they supported what Will was trying to do uh, in the offense. But uh, Briley Moore gets my offensive uh, game ball. I tell you what, I really badly want to give it to Jax. Uh, but, you know, with that tough drop in the end zone, I can't do it. So I'm just going to kind of continue on that tight end love. I'm going to give it to Sammy Wheeler. Again, uh, three catches, not even quite 20 yards, but again, it's more of almost like an investment game ball. Um, I, I see that he, I, I think he will fill that Briley Moore role next year. I, I really like what Sammy Wheeler's been able to do uh, with the offense. Uh, and again, in a game where not much happened, you can't give it to any of the offensive linemen, uh, that's where it's going to go. Let's hear your second game ball. Second game ball goes on the defensive side. We'll go to Drew Wiley. I thought he really had individually 
uh, a pretty solid solid game. Yeah, I think he, he was the best defensive player. I would give mine to Daniel Green. I think on an individual level, he probably had the second best game. Uh, so I, I think I think that's what I'm going to go with. And then who's your swag sticker going to go to? Well, it's going to go to Brock Monty. And uh, explan- explanation on that is not necessarily because of what Brock did in the game <laughs> against West Virginia. It's more of a uh, more of a uh, career uh, uh, award for Brock Monty. I really like what he does on special teams. Well, I like it, and I'm sure he'll he'll appreciate the uh, Lifetime Achievement uh, Award swag sticker, the Kevin McFarlane swag sticker award. <laughs> uh, mine, and this is the second time I've done it this year, my swag sticker is going to the opposing head coach. It's going to Neil Brown. I gave it to Blake Anderson again, and maybe I'm predisposed to doing it to coaches that I like and that I've targeted as, hey, being a Power 5 level coach, Blake Anderson put the work in on us in Game 1, and Neil Brown was one of my top picks for this job, and he beat us two straight times. Um, you know, again, I'm very happy with Coach Kleiman, but you know, I think Neil Brown is a star in the making. He either needs to get poached away and go to the SEC or a bigger school, or he, he needs to struggle next year and have West Virginia fans fire him. I want him away from West Virginia as soon as possible. I think he's the real deal. So I don't like giving it to opposing coaches, but you know, when one of my guys puts it on us, I, I tend to do it. So you've got a crush on him, right? Yeah, I do. Him and Blake Anderson, those are like two of my guys, and they haven't they haven't proved me to be an idiot like Norvell and Latrell and basically everyone else who I've ever liked as a head coach. So those two I like have to latch on as much as I can. Even Blake Anderson, Arkansas State has not been very good since they beat us, but uh, we're not going to talk about that. So that's the end of the pod. As always, if there's a guest, they'll get the uh, floor to say whatever they want. So, uh, Dad, you can uh, tell the boneheads whatever you want. Well, boneheads, it's another loss against West Virginia, and I'm here doing the uh, post-game pod with, uh, with Scott. Uh, but have faith. Uh, it's, it's Sunday morning. It's November 1st. It's, it's a new month, and we are still in first place. I like it. I like it. Um, folks, we're, we're, still, we're, we're giving you four pods a week, uh, so be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Check out our sponsors. Uh, you know, just, you know, keep, keep having fun with us. Uh, it is a crappy loss, but like, like my dad said, we're still in first place. We're still getting college football. It's a COVID year. And I think even the most wild optimists when coach Kleiman was hired would not have expected us to be doing this well in year two, which has always been targeted as being maybe the roughest year in the climbing era. So keep grinding away. Uh, again, I'm not trying to tell you guys how to feel because I melted down a little bit as well. But I, I think that there are a lot of bright days for K-State f- football in the future. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, be nice to one, one another. If Grant was here, he'd say meet you at the cat head. But since he's not, I'm just going to tell you guys to uh, keep riding and uh, keep having fun with us. Sports Social Podcast Network.